I am seeking, searching for the things this world has rejected, the things that are broken, that are flawed, thrown away and discarded. a stick into the water. God caused the axe head to float to the surface. Get ready to get your spiritual edge back and experience God's ridiculous recovery. So I, uh, we're finishing up our series on Elisha today and, and I hope that that the message that you've received, if you missed any of them, be sure and, and talk to one of the sound guys. They can get you the CDs or you can go on our website. Our last six messages are always at the bottom of our NLCCP.com page. And so you can always go there or you can go to iTunes and you can actually download uh, 14 years worth of messages if you, uh, if you have a lot of time on your hands. <clears throat> now, uh, in this whole series, we have um, been talking about a man, Danny, a bald-headed man named Elisha, and uh, you should never make fun of bald-headed men, and if you didn't hear that one, you need to hear that sermon. Now, I need to ask you a question. How many of you have misplaced things? How many of you frequently misplace things? I am amazed at the, ma- the amount of time I spend, I waste looking for things that I have misplaced. I was on a boat with Jeff Gillis in the middle of Lake Palestine, and, 
And I was standing up fishing and I realized I had my phone and my billfold and my keys in my pocket. And I thought, I really don't want to go over the side of the boat with this. So I take my phone out and I put it in a cup holder and I take my keys out and put it in a cup holder and I take my billfold out and put it in a cup holder. And then at one point, my, uh, my fishing line got stuck on his um, transducer on his fish finder. So I actually had to get in the water. And I was, you know, I was praising God that I'd already taken all that stuff out. So I climbed down there in the water and water felt great and I get it out. Well, when I come back up... I see my phone, I see my keys, but I don't see my billfold. And I had this sick feeling in my stomach, and I went, oh, no. And I said, Jeff, I've lost my billfold. I said, I didn't hear it land in the water, did you? No, no. We tore the boat up, top to bottom, every nook and cranny. I looked several times. And he said, why don't you call Janie? And I said, why would I call Janie? She's back at the house. You know, I didn't say that, but I thought it. So I called Janie. And I said, baby, I'm sick. I said, I don't know what happened. Because I, I saw it in the cup holder. Janie calls back two minutes later. Dude is in your truck. <laughs> I saw it in the cup holder. And I said, dude. I said, I'm not even embarrassed by that. I just can't believe I'm so gone in the head that I saw it in the cup holder. Oh my gosh! Oh my goodness! Life is just going to get worse. And see, what's really funny, I had told Jeff and Teresa before any of that ever happened, I said, we're talking about things we misplaced this week. And so as soon as we finish, he goes, I hope that makes the sermon because you need to share that. Now, have you ever been looking for something you already had in your possession? Janie, all the time, I'm looking for my keys. Have you checked your pocket? Well, of course I have. And I'll just... Tell her. I ain't, I ain't going to admit that. Have you ever... I've done this. Now, I wear a hat a lot because I'm bald. And because my skin is precious up here and I like this sheen, I like this shine on my head, so I have to keep it protected from the sun. But what I usually do is I put my sunglasses on top of my cap, you know, right there on the bill. And I have looked everywhere some, for my sunglasses. And one time I did that and Caleb was like, dude, really? They're on your head. Now, I will tell this on Janie. Is she in here? See, sometimes i got to be careful. If she's not in here, I don't have to be careful. So, Janie now has to use reading glasses. And actually, I think she's... I, I, I tell her this. She looks great. She's hot. Any, anytime. She's hot in reading glasses. That's cool. But the kids have this joke because she'll be looking for reading glasses and she'll have a pair on her head. And one time she had two pairs on her head and she's looking around the house. We're waiting for the day she has three and we're just going to lose it. And I'm going to tell you in a sermon about that because I looked for a a billfold in a cup holder. Um, So anyway, so have any of you ever looked for something? Oh, wait, wait, wait. One time, one time I was talking on my cell phone, looking for my cell phone. And I'm telling the person I'm talking to, man, you're going to have to hold on. I've got to look for my phone. <laughs> and they're going, you're a moron. You're talking to me on the phone. Okay, now, anyone, please, please, dear God, someone else in the crowd admit that you've done that. Oh, thank you, Jesus. There is a God. I'm not alone. I am nuts, but I'm not alone. Thank you, Lord. That's why I like this church so much. We're all jacked up, and, and we... Uh, Y'all make me feel so much better about myself. Thank you. 
Well, today we're going to talk about losing something, but we're not going to talk about losing something physical. We're going to talk about losing something spiritual. And, and I have a feeling that every Christ follower here at some time in your life, you have lost something spiritually that you used to have. Some of you, you used to be prayer warriors and you would pray about stuff and you had big faith in God, but you've kind of lost that. Some of you may have been serving. Some of you had great faith. Some of you, um, uh, you don't even pray much about anything today and, and you've kind of lost uh, sight of God and, and you don't even know what you believe about prayer. And, and we were talking about this in our band earlier. Sometimes you pray for years about things and you think God's not even moving and you kind of fall out of the habit of doing that. It could be a lost sense of joy. Um, I don't know what, what you've lost, a passion for God, a passion for worship, something you've had in your life and you lost it at some point. And, and when you think about that, when you look at your life and you realize that you one, once had something better with God than you have today, I want you to think of Elisha. Because um, Elisha, week one, we talked about killing some cows and, and burning some plows because we said we're, when God has something better for you, you can't have things holding you back in your past. You've got to give those things up. You've got to follow God. The uh, Week two, we dug some ditches. Before God ever provided water, we were digging ditches. Last week, we gathered some jars before God ever gave any provision. Now, today... We're going to talk about one of the strangest miracles recorded in the scriptures, especially when you compare this miracle to the other miracles that Elisha performed. Let me just rehearse some of those miracles that Elisha has performed. Big miracles. Um, there was a time that God used him to purify the water in this town. This town was a great town and they came to him. They said, man of God, our town is awesome. And they said, look, you see how great our town is. Our land is great, but, but there's death in the water. And so God used Elisha to purify the spring. And Elisha says to them, God has said there is no more death in this water. The land will no longer be unproductive. And, and Elisha said, um, this is what God had said. And then the scripture says, and it has been, been purified to this day. Elisha, it, through that miracle, God used Elisha to save a whole city, the livestock, their, their produce, everything. Great miracle. Um, there was another time that God used Elisha to raise a, a boy from the dead. I just think that's the coolest thing ever. Dead boy, way dead boy, way past when everything should, should be gone and you should be planning the funeral. Elisha, God used Elisha to raise that boy from the dead and give him back to his mom. We talked about last week that God uh, provided through Elisha miraculously for a widow. She was a, uh, the, the wife of a prophet. The prophet died and she was going to lose her house because she was in debt. And they were going to come take her two sons. And, and Elisha... God used him to, to save this woman and her son to pay off all of their debt, to provide for their future. Just crazy. There's another time there's a man named Naaman. He is a commander of the army. He is a big, bad stud, and he comes down with leprosy. And leprosy was like the worst thing you could have back then because you had to move out of the city. You had to live with only other lepers. You had to cry out, unclean, unclean. So this, this girl who had been... Um, She'd actually been captured from Jerusalem and put into slavery in this other country. She heard that her master, she was actually the slave of, of his wife. She'd heard that, that her husband had leprosy. And he said, she said, why doesn't he go talk to the, the man of God in, in Israel? He can heal him. So Naaman shows up with all of this stuff. And, and Elisha doesn't even come out. He just sends his, his servant out there. And the servant said, Elisha says, go dip yourself. Go wash yourself in the Jordan River seven times. Well, because he was from another country, he got mad about that. He said, aren't there clean rivers in my... You want me to wash in the dirty Jordan? And his servant said to him, dude, if... Dude, I love it. 
He said, dude, if, you, if he'd asked you to do something great, you would have done that. Some mighty feat of strength. How much more when he asked you this simple thing? Go wash yourself in the Jordan River. He goes and washes himself, dips himself seven times when he comes up. He's completely healed. Incredible, incredible story. One of my favorites is in, in 2 Kings 6. And I'm not going to read this to you, give, give you the quick summary. Uh, the Aramean army wants to go, wants to capture Israel. And so the king of Aram, he keeps making these plans to ambush the Israelite army when they're going to be in different places. Every time he makes a plan, God tells Elisha, Elisha tells the king of Israel, king of Israel sends spies out to check on Elisha's word. And sure enough, there's the Aramean army. So every time he avoids that area. So much so this happens repeatedly so that the king of Aram calls all of his uh, advisors together and he said, who of you is a spy for the king of Israel? And they're like, no, 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 it's not us. It's Elisha. And they said, this is straight out of scripture. They said, even the words you speak in the private of your bedroom, he hears. Now I'm thinking if, if I've got an enemy that without, you know, surveillance, without bugs or whatever, you know, that they're listening devices, without, if he knows every move I'm ever making, I'm going to quit being his enemy. Right? That makes sense. Not the king of Aram. King of Aram says, where is he? And they said, he's in Dothan. So he sends the army to Dothan. He surrounds the city of Dothan with, with chariots, the Bible says, and these, these warriors. So the servant of Elisha comes walking out. And I don't know what a servant does, but dum-de-dum, he's doing servant things. Dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum. And he goes, because the city is completely surrounded. Chariots, warriors, and they're after one man, his boss. So the, the servant comes back in. We're in trouble. Now, Elisha's sitting inside doing prophet stuff. I don't know. Dum, 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 dum. I don't know if he's reading a papyrus. I don't know what he's doing. He's sitting inside. He is not worried at all. And, and the servant's like, we're surrounded. They're coming for you. And he goes, dude. See, this is how I would translate the Bible. <laughs> Here's what Elisha said. Those who are with us are greater than those who are against us. And I'm sure the, the servant's going... Have you looked outside? And then Elisha prays and he says, Oh God, open his eyes. The servant walks back out. And the mountainside is filled with chariots and horses of fire. You come at me with your guns and your bayonets. If there's an army of fire out there, I'm sitting there doing prophet things and I'm not too worried. He prays that the men would be blinded. He walks out to them. The whole entire army is blinded. And he goes, this is not the city and, and this is not the person you're looking for. Let me take you to him. He leads them into the city where the king of Israel is and then he prays and God opens their eyes and they're surrounded by Israelites and they're like, oh no. That's awesome. You should read your Bibles. This stuff is in there. I'm not making it up. Then we come to today. Elisha performed more miracles, more recorded miracles than anybody in the scriptures except Jesus. And we come to today. A seminary student borrows an axe. This one is from SFA. And I'm so glad that they don't let the students take the ones with the axe head on them to the games. It's bad enough they let these things go to the games. This one belongs to my buddy uh, Luke Dog Trim. He let me borrow it, and these are very special, so no one touch it, right? So, anyway, so he borrows an axe that actually has an axe head on it. He goes out, and he starts chopping, 
And while he's chopping, the axe head comes off, flies into the river. He cries out to the man of God. The man of God gets a stick, throws it in the river. The axe head floats. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. See, 15 years ago, we were in a boat very near where I thought my wallet was in the cup holder. We were in a boat and I had taken my wedding ring and I put it on the dash of the little boat there right by the windshield. We had this island that we would always go to and the kids were little and we would get out and we'd have a picnic. We'd, we'd go around the island. We called it Washburn Island because we're just self-centered like that. And uh, we would go and hang out at Washburn Island and we came off the island and I, I gunned it. This was when my boat actually ran. It, it hadn't run in years. And it comes up like this and my wedding ring goes, dunk, dunk, bonk. And I went, and I looked at Janie to see if she'd seen it. She'd seen it. I was like, oh. And I didn't even think to throw a stick in. I should read my Bible. 15 years ago. I, this is just, when you read the story, it sounds like a great magic trick. Right? Where there'd be some wires or there'd be some, some hidden magnets or something that would cause... There was no magic. This was the power of God. This is the God of the universe, the, the one who spoke the world into existence, who overruled the laws of gravity so that he could provide miraculously for one of his children. And so when you, when you think about this, what does it mean? Well, first of all, you've got to understand that iron was a big deal back then. It was rare. And I told you last week that the prophets were very poor. Well, if the prophets were poor, how poor do you think the school of the prophets were? This was a seminary student. I'm talking college student. I'm talking ramen noodles, macaroni and cheese type, you know. This was a non-profit prophet. <laughs> that may be the best you get today, so you better enjoy it. It's a non-profit prophet. I started to put it on the screen so you could see they were spelled differently because I wasn't sure that... I didn't mean to insult you. Maybe I did. Um, this guy has nothing and he loses what he borrows and he cries out to the man of God. And here's, what, here's, here's the bottom line. This is what I think this story teaches us. With all of the big stuff that we have in the Bible, what this teaches us is that we have a very big God who cares even about the little details of your life. God is interested in the little details of your life. If you have a headache, God cares. If you've got a chemistry test, God cares. If your car won't start again in the morning, God cares. If you're talking on the phone when you can't find your phone, God laughs, but he cares. And, and if you're looking for a wallet in a cup holder that has never been in that cup, God's just looking at Jesus and the Holy Spirit going, that dude is messed up. And the Holy Spirit's going, we try, I try all the time. I try to give him wisdom. Now, I want you to keep that in mind. God cares about the little details of your life as we read this story today. Now, I want you to remember that Elijah mentored Elisha. Now, in this story, we have Elisha turning around and mentoring other young prophets to take over his ministry when he's gone. Now, there was a school for the prophets, and there were so many prophets, school of the prophets, there were so many of them that they needed a bigger place to meet. And so we're going to pick it up in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. One day the group of prophets or the school of prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. And, and me, I'm like, it's time for a bagel campaign, a building a great life, right? It is time for a building campaign. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us. I don't know why that's in there. Please come with us, someone suggestion, suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them, and they, when they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. Now, here's where the suspense builds. Wait for it. 
But as one of them was cutting a tree, the axe head fell into the river. Okay. Not sure you get the picture. Chop, chop, chop. Woof, 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 woof. Bonk. Now I practiced that. I practiced it yesterday. Hannah was like three feet away from me and I wasn't thinking and I was out loud and I went, chop, chop, chop. Woof, 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 woof. Bonk. She's on her phone. She looks up. She goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm practicing for my sermon. And she goes, well, you got to tell me now. And so Hannah did this. She said, you got to add this. Then everybody will understand your whoo. Because I said, I don't know what an axe head sounds like. Woo, woo, but I'm not doing it anymore. Anyway, you get the idea. It comes off, right? Sinks in the water. Now look what happens. Oh, sir, he cried. They didn't have to bleep the words of the prophet. There were no cuss words here. He said, oh, sir. He cried. It was a borrowed axe. (laughs) Where did it fall? The man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it. Everybody say that. Grab it. Look at somebody and say, grab it. Look at somebody else, your second choice, and say, grab it. You notice you always look at the same person first. So your second choice. All right. Remember that because we're going to come back to it. Grab it, Elisha said, and the man reached out and grabbed it. All right. So here's the principle, and this is what I want you to carry with you today. God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose spiritually. I want you to pay attention today because God is totally into restoration. He already knows you lost it. He's waiting for you to realize you lost it. See, this young prophet had to, to, this young prophet to be literally had lost his edge. And and I want to read you a scripture that relates to that. It's from Ecclesiastes 10.10. And it says, using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. I love scripture. It's like, you dork, sharpen the blade. Now, if if a dull axe is difficult to use, what about an axe with no axe head? Some of you are chopping with no axe head. Get the axe head on and then sharpen it. All right, you'll understand more of that in a minute. Now, many of you have lost your spiritual edge... And I want you to think of a time when there was some area of your life where you were closer to God than you are now. Has there been a time when you were more into things spiritually? And if there has been, then I want you to ask God to help you get your spiritual edge back. See, some of you used to serve in our church and you had the thrill of of knowing what it means to be used by God. Yes, it was difficult, but it was always fulfilling. You used to do it, you stopped, you meant to start doing it again, but you never started doing it again. And now you're missing something because you know what it's like to be used by God. And now your life is all about you. Some of you had a passion for prayer. You'd get up early, you'd pray long for lots of people. Now you might pray over a meal or you might pray when somebody's watching. You might pray about something big, but really you don't don't pray much more. Some of you used to have a deep love for people who were far from God. People who are outside the church. And you used to share your faith. You used to invite people to church. But if you were to think about it now, you can't even remember the last time you had a spiritual conversation with someone who was far from God. You've lost your edge. Some of you notice that your standards aren't what they used to be. You used to have this strong Christian values. Your life was guided by this thought. I'm not going to do that because it's not pleasing to God and it's not good for me. This used to guide your life. And then something happened. I don't know what, 
what it was. You're saying, this doesn't help me grow spiritually. I'm not going to do it. But then you met some friends. And your friends are like, lighten up. YOLO. And, you, and, and you're like, I dolo. I do only live once. You're going, what? I dolo. And so you tried it just this once. And then you did it again. And then you did it again. And then it became a lifestyle for you to cut corners and do stuff that you knew you shouldn't be doing. And then one day you woke up and you don't even realize how you got so far away from God. Started with one choice. It can happen to any of us because we have a spiritual enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything that matters to God. It happens so gradually you don't know. One choice, another choice, another choice. And then you're so far from God that if he were sitting next to you in the service today, you would not recognize him because you haven't heard his voice. You haven't spent any time pursuing a relationship with him. You don't even know what it's like to be close to God anymore. And it can happen to pastors too. Pastors can become full-time pastor and a part-time follower of Christ. And what happens is, this is the way it happens. We get to doing the work for God and loving doing the work for God, but doing the work for God without being recharged, replenished by God, destroys the work of God inside of you. And the reason it's so quiet in here right now is because a lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You used to be a full-time follower of God, but now you're a part-time follower. You're a full-time parent, but a part-time follower of God. Um, you didn't mean to lose your edge, but you did. Uh, <laughs> you're a full-time student, but a part-time follower of Christ. You didn't mean to stop praying with your spouse, but you did. You didn't mean to fall back into old patterns and become addicted again, but you did. You didn't mean to drift from the love and intimacy and closeness with Christ that you once had, but you did. And you wake up depressed and empty and hollow on the inside. You didn't mean to end up pursuing material possessions, but that's what you're all, you're all about now. You didn't mean to become a part-time follower of Christ, but that's what you are. And if that's what you are, don't you think it's time to get your spiritual edge back? How do you do that? I got two real simple things for you. If you want to get back to where you once were with God, two things. How do you get your edge back? First is be honest about where you lost it. Elisha asks, where did it fall? The axe head wasn't gone. It's just where he left it, under the water. (laughs) Where did you start to lose your spiritual edge? If you look back, you can probably say, I had some friends, the wrong friends. Or you could say, I started dating the wrong guy. He was a slushy and not a cherry limeade, right? (laughs) It could be that you gave up a discipline that you used to have because discipline requires discipline. You used to pray every day and you stopped. You used to be passionate about searching the scripture to find God in his word and you stopped. You used to be a tither and you stopped and you meant to start again But you never did. You stopped. And then you wonder when you come to church why you're dry and empty. It has nothing to do with anybody on the stage. It has everything to do with you being a part-time follower of Christ. You used to do something and you stopped. You used to be involved in a small group where others could not only share their lives with you, but you could share your lives with them. And that's a big deal. And you stopped. 
And some of you, you thought, I can't go to a small group because I have this secret. And as long as I'm the only one who knows the secret, nobody else is going to get hurt. But it's not really a secret because God already knows your secrets and secrets make you sick and it made you miserable. But you thought, I'm not going because I have a secret. Some of you, you were messed over by people in a church and you thought, if that's how Christians are, screw them all, I'm leaving. And I'm never coming back. And you thought you were protecting your heart, but what you were doing was you were actually making your heart as hard as stone so that the voice of God can't penetrate through it anymore because your heart is hard. You're blaming people. You're blaming God for what people did to you. Be honest about where you lost it. The most dangerous thing for me is when I begin to care more what people think about me than what God thinks about me. And, uh, and it happens. This church is my baby. And when people criticize the church, I take it personally. When people leave the church, I feel like I have to pull a knife out of my back. And, and I'm not saying they, they leave for wrong reasons. I'm just saying it hurts me. Whatever happens to this church is very, very personal to me. And if, I'm, if I take my focus off of God and I put it on pleasing you, I fail at being a pastor. And that's the greatest danger that I face. And, and what happens is when I want to please you, I'm chopping with an axe that, that, or with a handle. And this is a great little thing for someone who goes to SFA. But it's not very effective for a pastor or actually any follower of Christ. To be trying to attempt the Christian life with a tool that's not only not sharp, it's not there. And that's what some of us are doing spiritually. How do, how do you get your edge back? First, you've got to be honest about where you left it. Second thing is, with God's help, take back what you lost. And this is what you need to hear. God specializes in helping you find what you didn't mean to lose. Elisha asked, where'd you lose the axe head? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Then he said, grab it. Everybody, everybody say, grab it. I want you to look at your third choice and say, grab it. Look at your fourth choice and say, grab it. I'm trying to get you to go north, south, east, and west. I don't know. Just, just share that with somebody. Two weeks ago, we talked about digging ditches, and we said God is the one who sent the water in that miraculous story, but he wanted them to dig ditches before he ever provided miraculously. Last week, we said that only God could make that oil go further and further and further and fill up all the jars that the, the widow had, but she had to gather the jars. Only God could provide the oil, but she had to gather the jars. And today, only God can make the axe head float, but he wants you to grab it. What that means is when he brings back to your memory what you've lost, when he brings it right next to you and shows you, you need to be the one who grabs that and takes hold of it. God's not going to do everything for you. You need to take back what you lost. The moment you start to think, you know, here's, here's the, what's going to happen. Because some of you are thinking, oh, this is what I lost and I can take it back. There's going to be a voice that says, no, you can't. He's going to say, you've gone too far. You've done too much. You are too sinful to ever get back to what you used to be. So somebody needs to hear this right now. With God, you're never too far away. With God, 
You can not only become what he intended for you to be, you can be better than what you ever thought you could be with God. With God, all things are possible. With man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. It's never too late to be who you could have been. It's not too late to get back what you thought you could never have again. It's not too late to have what you used to have and even more of it with the power of our good God. You haven't gone too far. You haven't done too much because our God specializes in helping you find what you did not mean to lose. So what does he want you to do? He's going to make something within your reach and he wants you to grab it. So here's what you do. You do what you can and you let God do what you can't. Can you make an axe head float? Nope. But can you grab it when God causes it to come near you? Yes. Can you create spiritual passion in your own life? No. (laughs) But the Bible says faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So you can put yourself in a position where you hear the word of God on a regular basis. So it begins to build your faith. Does this make sense to anybody? The the thing that people want to do is run away from the church when they're feeling distant from God. What does that do? Makes you farther away. Makes it even more difficult for God to bring it back. Bible says faith comes from hearing. Put yourself in a place where you know God's going to speak to you. You know that God hears and answers prayers, so you pray whether you feel like it or not. You, you can choose to share your faith with other people, even though you haven't got all the answers to the questions about Christianity yourself. Begin to do something where you have to depend on God. You can search for God again, and when you seek him, this is what the scripture says, when you seek God with all of your heart, God says, you will find me. Problem is, you've been seeking with part of your heart, or maybe none of your heart, if we're really honest. With God's help, identify what you lost, and take it back, grab it. Look at Revelation 2, 4 through 5a. A just means the first part of verse 5. Jesus is actually speaking to the churches. This is in the book of Revelation. There are seven different churches. I want you to see what he says to this church. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you fall and turn back. That means repent. Repent means to change my thinking, which changes my actions. So turn back to me and do what? What does it say? Do what? Go back there. Oh, there it is. The last sentence. Do what? Come on, help me out. Do what? Oh, thank you. It's like you're interested. If you want what you once had, you have to do what you once did. When I'm doing marriage counseling, I start to ask people if they date. They've been married 5, 10. Janie and I are in our, this next year will be our 25th anniversary. And, and I ask people, do you date? And they look at me like I'm crazy. Do we date? Who's got time for that? That's one of your biggest problems. Did you date when you were trying to get her to like you? Yeah. Did you, did, you do fun, did you talk to her on the phone? Did you send her presents? Well, of course. Why? Because I was trying to get her. Well, if you want to keep her, you got to do the same thing. We try to go on vacations every year. Vacation with Janie, just me and Janie. And we go on vacations with our family. I love my family. But have you noticed my family keeps leaving? Caleb's gone. Rachel's here another year. I got three more years than Hannah. I mean, my children, healthy children, leave the nest. Sorry if that offends some of you. My kids keep leaving. 
And I don't want to be sitting with Janie in three or four or five years and go, who are you? I want that to be a solid relationship, so I have to keep dating her. If you want your relationship with Christ to be solid, you've got to do the things that you used to do. Go back to what you used to do. Whatever it is that you've lost, God has been nailing me this whole week about things I need to grab. Because it's real easy to become a full-time pastor and a part-time follower of Christ. And I think it's easy for you as well, right? I don't know what you lost, but God does. So remember that God is a God of restoration. Now, when, uh, when Naaman, I told you about Naaman, the commander of the army, when he obeyed, he went to the river, dipped himself seven times, he was completely healed. The Hebrew word for healed that we, that's translated healed in our scripture is the word shub, S-H-U-B, which literally means, this is awesome, to be made better than new. There's one translation I read that said when Naaman came out the seventh time that his skin was like that of a young boy. God has the power to make you better than new. But you've got to reach out and grab whatever it is he shows you that you need to do. God can, can do good with what the enemy meant for evil. That's the, the message throughout Scripture. I don't know where you're hurting, how far you've drifted, But God wants you to know that you haven't gone too far. You can be the person you were meant to be because God specializes in restoring people. God specializes in helping people find what they didn't mean to lose. Now, all the way back in Deuteronomy, this is kind of awesome. I'm going to read you this passage, but I've got to tell you why. Before the Israelites ever turned their back on God... Right? They've just gone, come out of the, the, uh, Egypt and they're doing all of this stuff. Here's one of the things. After the Ten Commandments, all that stuff, before they went far, far, far from God, look what God says to them in Deuteronomy 30, verse 2. And come back to God your God and obey him with your whole heart and soul according to everything that I command you today. So God says, you're going to drift from me, you're going to go off. But when you come back, here's what he promises. Your God will restore everything you lost. He'll have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from all the places where you were scattered. No matter how far away you end up, God, your God, will get you out of there and bring you back to the land your ancestors once possessed. It will be yours again. He will give you a good life and make you more numerous than your ancestors. God, your God, will cut away the thick calluses on your heart and your children's hearts, freeing you to love God, your God, with your whole heart and soul and live, really live. I get chill bumps when I read that. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Most of us aren't living abundant lives. Most of us are barely making it. And see, it doesn't say that he's going to get rid of all your problems. In fact, God gets gets more glory when we walk through problems with his power and people say, how are you doing that? And you say, it has to be God. And when they see a power in you that cannot be explained in this world, people come to Christ. So when God makes the axe head float, what are you going to do? Grab it. Would you bow your heads for a minute? How many of you would admit right now that you aren't as close to God as you used to be? All right, you can put your hands down. If you want to be close to God again, all throughout the auditorium, if you raised your hand, I want you to pray this short prayer out loud right where you are. God, with your help, I want it back. 
I think you said it, but what I heard was... So just to be clear, <laughs> and you're not saying this for my benefit, you're praying this to God, but, but just say, God, with your help, I want it back. Lord God, would you help us turn back to you? Would you help us repent of our sins? Would you help us to have the passion and the faith and the drive that we once had? God, we trust you to do what only you can do. Then help us through your power to reach out and grab the axe head when it floats. Now, there are a lot of people in this room who'd lost it. They had it and they lost it. But there's probably some people in this room who've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. A lot of people, we go through the motions. We kind of believe in God. We kind of go to church. We kind of try to do good things. We end up doing bad things. We never realize that because of our sin, we are separated. The Bible says you are separated from a holy God. He can't even look upon you because of sin. But because of his goodness, he sent his son, Jesus who was without sin, he was made sin for us on the cross. He died and he was raised again from the dead so that anyone, the Bible says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means you'll be adopted into his family. You'll be transformed. You'll be spiritually healed. You'll be totally forgiven. With your head still bowed, I just would like to ask if there's somebody here who's never done that. You don't know for sure that you would go to heaven if you were to die tonight. Would you just look at me? Wow, several of you. Scripture says all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the way we do it, it's real simple. The words aren't magical. It's what's in your heart that matters. So if you're willing to right now, would you say, Lord God, save me from my sins? You just pray silently. God, I need your forgiveness. Today I turn from my sins... And I turn to you. Help me be the person you created me to be. If that's the first time you've prayed that, or if you feel like that's the first time you've meant those words, be sure and write that on the back of your card today. Because I got to tell somebody right before church. Someone was born into the kingdom today, right before church started. I, didn't even, I knew that was legal, but some of you didn't know that was legal. That you could become a Christian before church even starts. And scripture says that when one person turns back to God, the angels in heaven rejoice. If half of the people who just looked at me who said they don't know for sure they're saved, if half of you prayed that prayer and you meant it, can you imagine the celebration in heaven? Oh, man. That's why I keep doing what I do. When people's lives are changed, when their destinies are changed, there's a fulfillment in my soul. Some of you used to have that and you want it back. And I'm praying that God will restore you today. Father, we love you and we ask you to change us and use us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.